I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, we travel from Luxor in Egypt to Baruch in Gujarat and discover a lesser-known trade route whose key commodity has meaning and consequences for three major religions in the world. Opposite the city of Luxor in Egypt lies the west bank of the River Nile. It's home to a complex of mortuary temples and a tomb. Deir el-Bahari. Mortuary temples were erected in the vicinity of royal tombs in ancient Egypt. They were designed to commemorate the reign of the pharaoh under whom they were constructed. One of the key temples at this complex is that of Hatshepsut, an ancient Egyptian pharaoh of the 18th dynasty of Egypt. And one of the reliefs in her temple is a report of a five-ship voyage, which might have seemed ordinary at the time. It was made to the land of Punt. The exact location of Punt is debated by historians. Various sites have been offered: southeast of Egypt, Somaliland, Somalia, northeast Ethiopia, and northeast Sudan. But irrespective of where the land of Punt may have been, it was a known trading post. It produced and exported gold, aromatic resins, blackwood, ebony, ivory, and wild animals. But the five-ship voyage. by Hatshepsut undertaken in 1470 BC was unique possibly the first plant collecting mission masterminded by a woman the expedition was a success her collectors returned with 31 live trees of a particular aromatic plant over 4000 kilometers away from the temple complex of Hatshepsut lies a trading port in ancient greek and roman texts it's mostly called barigaza which attracted scores of foreigners Not only Greeks and Romans, but Egyptians, Africans, Arabs, Malay, and Chinese merchants came here. So much so that hordes of coins dating from the ruler Apollodotus I found in nearby areas depict the possibility of the Greeks having ruled the area. During the decade of 70 to 80 AD, coins of Greek writing were used at this port. This trading port was once considered one of the greatest in the world. Today, it lies forgotten. And I reckon if you do not come from this particular part of the world you may have not even heard of it. It was well known to the various Persian empires, the Roman Republic and Empire, and in other western centers of civilization through the end of the European Middle Ages. This trading port is known as Baruch in Gujarat. Does it ring a bell? If not, it's about an hour away from its now more famous cousin, Surat, located on the banks of the Narmada River. It was called Barigaza by the Greeks. which meant deep treasure so what connects the temple complex of hatshepsut in egypt to the ancient port of baruch what if i told you that the connection probably sits in many of our homes even used daily and it is related to the 31 live trees of the aromatic plant which came from the land of punt this is the story of a tree and a trade route but not the silk route not the spice route but the incense route Yes, the incense route. 
an ancient network of major land and sea trading routes. They stretch from the Mediterranean ports across the Levant and Egypt through northeastern Africa and Arabia to India and beyond. The incense land trade from Saudi Arabia to the Mediterranean flourished roughly between 3rd century BC and the 2nd century AD. Bharuj was an important port on this route and one of the key things that flowed through this port was the same species as the 31 life plants. Frankincense or simply incense. There are few things more important to the Roman Catholic Church than frankincense. The Gospel of Matthew makes it clear that homage was paid to Jesus, the newborn king of the Jews through gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. It's used to purify the coffin at funerals and to bless statues and images. Incense is noted in the Talmud and the Bible mentions incense 170 times. God even gives Moses a recipe to make the incense. Take these aromatic substances, storax, onisha, glabinum and pure frankincense in equal parts and blend them into incense. This fragrant power expertly prepared is to be salted and so kept pure and sacred. Now the Buddhists, apart from using incense for religious reasons, have a rather unusual use for it. To keep time, incense clocks are primarily used in Buddhism as a timer of meditation and prayer. Different types of incense burn at different rates. Therefore, different incense is used for different practices. The duration of burning ranges from minutes to months. When mechanical clocks became available, they were used by the very wealthy since they were expensive. Timing by incense was cheap, accessible and perfectly functional. Coal miners used the glow of incense to track the time they spent underground, while tea roasters used them to approximate the time it took to toast batches of tea. Closer home in Bharuj, on the incense trade route, we too became familiar with it in a very Indian way, through dhoop and agarbatti. The basic ingredients of an agarbatti are bamboo sticks, paste generally made of charcoal dust, sawdust and jaws, jigget or gum. Frankincense may be used as a binding agent and lends aromatic properties to the agarbatti. Lighting the agarbatti remains an important part of the daily puja ritual, especially during the beginning of a new venture or to commemorate some special occasion. The aspect of the ritual is known as dhupa and involves offering the incense before the picture of a deity as a token of respect. An incense stick is lit to introduce pleasant fragrances and to cleanse the air of negative energy. The ashes of burning agarbatti collected symbolize the sacrifice of oneself to others. But the real sacrifice happening is that of the Bozivelia sacra tree or the tree that produces frankincense. If you have been following the podcast, I'm going to sound like a broken record to you because the tree is critically endangered thanks to overexploitation by mankind. For millennia, it was sustainably harvested by cutting into the trunk of the tree and scraping out the oozing sap, which would then harden into frankincense. This could be repeated 9 or 10 times over the life of the tree without ill effect. However, over the last decade, overtapping has left many wild populations vulnerable to disease and infestation, and commercially grown trees are on the verge of extinction. An investigation published in July 2019 estimates that the number of frankincense-producing trees would draw by 50% over the next 15 years. Frankincense which keeps time in incense clocks could go up in smoke itself. A tree critical to three world religions, Hinduism, Christianity and Buddhism, finds itself at a crossroads and only a concerted conservation effort could save it. 
as we make our way through our lives keeping our own versions of incense clocks we must remember that we are running out of time faster than we think if you like this podcast don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can listen to us on the ivm podcast app or ivmpodcast.com you can also follow us on our social media we are at ivm podcasts on twitter and instagram if you want to reach out to me i am utsav memory on twitter and yv travel 42 on instagram 